The Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord. Jesus said to the people, listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard, put a fence around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a watchtower. And then he leased it to tenants and went to another country. When the harvest time had come, he sent his slaves to the tenants to collect his produce. But the tenants seized his slaves and beat one, killed another, and stoned another. Again, he sent other slaves more than the first, and they treated them in the same way. Finally, he sent his son to them, saying, They will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and get his inheritance. So they seized him, threw him out of the vineyard, and killed him. Now when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? They said to him, He will put those wretches to a miserable death and lease the vineyard to other tenants who will give him the produce at the harvest time. Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the scriptures, The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is amazing in our eyes. Therefore I tell you, The kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people that produces the fruit of the kingdom. The one who falls on his stone, on this stone, will be broken to pieces, and it will crush anyone on whom it falls. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables, they realized that he was speaking about them. They wanted to arrest him, but they feared the crowds because they regarded him as a prophet. The Gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, o Christ. Therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people that produces the fruits of the kingdom. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus the Christ. Amen. Amen. At our men's Bible study this past Tuesday morning, Following the reading of this gospel, which we study in advance of the Sunday upcoming, one of the guys said, Lord, not another parable. It made me giggle. It's true, isn't it, though, that the the barrage of parables that Jesus tells us can, can come across rather overwhelming, don't you think? Sometimes we wish Jesus would just get to the point, tell us precisely what it is Jesus wants us to do or not to do. End of story. Of course, it could be argued that God has been forthright with us from the very beginning. God's expectations, certainly in Scripture, has been crystal clear from the very outset. Adam and Eve, the very beginning, representing humanity, were given everything conceivable that they could possibly want or need. That's what happened in creation. And God stepped back and said, this is good. Then they were also given the deep dive within them, which which gives us these questions that we ask. We contemplate things. We we calculate them. We wonder, and, and, and then we choose, right? Why, what, when, where, how? It's a part of human nature. When prohibited from imbibing then from the one tree in the garden, 
the tree of knowledge of good and evil with everything in the world around them at stake. That drive to question, to contemplate, to calculate, to, to wonder and choose drove Adam and Eve, humanity, to do something which continues to plague us even now. Perhaps it's the single most destructive sin ever perpetrated, distrust. Distrust. God said about the tree, don't touch it. How much more plain could God make it? Have all of this, but do not under any circumstances have that. But we crossed the line, didn't we? We wanted that. We questioned, contemplated, we calculated, wondered, and we chose to do what? To distrust the commandments of God rather than to trust. What is the first commandment? Do you remember it? You good Lutherans who have been confirmed? You shall have no other gods. Right from the get-go, you shall have no other gods. As soon as we distrust God, we have already now replaced God's primacy in our lives with something else. You see? Jesus, in his ministry, taught the Shema, which is a, an ancient commandment that goes like this. Honor the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your body, and your soul. Because... This is the way we are to keep God first and foremost. In other words, do what God commands and don't do what God prohibits because we trust God. And when we trust God, we do what God values and asks us to do. So, yeah, the parables can get a bit overwhelming, but in their way, they instruct those who hear them to, to contextualize the simple truth that have, have no other gods than God alone who is worthy of our trust and our trust alone. Humanity has been clawing its way back from that first act in distrust, eating from the tree of knowledge of good and evil for a long, long time now. And along those lines, humanity has not, you might say, fulfilled the role God had created for us to fulfill essentially partnering with God to care for all that there is in creation. Genesis chapter 1, verse 28 says this, Be fruitful and multiply, referring to us, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over every living thing that moves upon the earth. That's God's role for us, to partner with God, to take care of this beautiful beautiful garden that we've been planted in. And our drive to question, contemplate, calculate, wonder, and choose, coupled with our sinful proclivity to distrust, has gotten in the way over the years, hasn't it? Creation has not been the Garden of Eden perfection that it was created to be because of our distrust of God, and furthermore, our distrust of one another, which is why Jesus merged the ancient Shema, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul, with another ancient commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. 
Kind of makes sense, doesn't it? Humanity's distrust of God and distrust of one another have led us into wars. It empowers greed and the, the exorbitant hoarding of wealth. It enables poverty and world hunger to exist when there is oh so plenty. It destroys the environment. It exacerbates the effects of disease. It convinces us that, that human diversity is a threat rather than beautiful. And it interferes with God's purpose for all of us to do what God planted us here to do, to thrive. You see? The tenets in Jesus' parable remind us of what happens when we choose to distrust in this case, the landowner, and instead strive to take what is not ours to do with as we please. The Pharisees were offended and infuriated by this parable because they saw contextually themselves in this parable. And so instead of allowing that primal drive within them to question to contemplate, to calculate, to wonder and choose, to listen to Jesus and recognize his invitation to get back on track with God as God's beloved people. They instead chose to live into the ending of that parable, albeit later on in the story of Jesus, arresting him and, as we know, crucifying him. In the midst of our stewardship campaign, we are once again presented with the sacred opportunity to demonstrate our trust in God, literally. When we give something which has the sort of value that our income has to us, back to God, we are in our own way demonstrating our trust in God. We're following the Shema, heart, mind, body, and soul, and honoring the first commandment to have no other gods, including what we own. When we, like Lois shared with us today, choose to trust in God and in one another, we become what God had hoped we would be from the very beginning of things, partners. Partners with God in caring for one another, and partners with one another caring for the world. You see how that works. At our best, that is what the church serves to do. To partner with God in caring for one another and the world. And so I hope in this stewardship campaign month that it inspires you to deeply trust God and to trust one another and to see that in action. Indeed, I pray that we will all strive to demonstrate our trust by responding overwhelmingly to the all-hands-and-hearts-on-deck campaign so that we may more willingly be the church God in Christ Jesus calls us to be. A church through which the fruits of the kingdom are nurtured and cultivated and shared for God's good pleasure from the beginning of time, which is that God's beloved altogether should thrive in loving God, loving others. And what's the last part of our mission? Serving the world. Do you see how that works? Thanks be to God. Amen.